got your Bibles, um, I want you to turn, if you've got them on your devices, I, I read from my Bible from a phone most of the time, but if you've got a paper Bible or if you've got a, a Bible on your phone, however you want to do it, or it'll be on the overhead, either way. And uh, so you've got version. for those of you that are familiar, version notes, you can uh, take notes, you can save those, and you can always refer back to them. But uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Amen. So um, one of the things that uh, we do in honor of God and His Word is we stand for the reading of God's Word. Don't worry, it won't be long, and then we'll have you sit down, and then we'll preach for just a little bit and, um, and, and deliver a word. Amen? Amen? So what's the big deal about Easter? Just look over to your neighbor and say, what's the big deal about Easter? What's the big, what's all the fuss about? Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, we're going to begin in verse 12. We're going to read through verse 24. And if you've, if you've got it, like I said, on your phones or a paper Bible or on the overhead, however you want to do it, um, I'll begin reading now. It says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, and I just lost my connection. Oh, it's back. Has been raised from the dead. How do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Right? We have no faith without him. So it goes on to say, in the next, if you'll slide over, I don't know what's going on up here. Our computer has gone crazy, of course, on Easter Sunday, always. That's all right. We'll just, we'll get it. Yeah. Yeah, I got my phone. I'll just do it from my phone. All right, so it's not on the screen. Okay, well, they'll boot it up. So let me see if I can see the little numbers for the verses here. <laughs> I got to blow this up. <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, and if Christ is not risen, verse 14, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. In fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile or empty. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead. Somebody shout hallelujah on that one. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since the man came death, uh, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Yeah, yeah. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ that is coming. In other words, since Christ raised from the dead, we shall also rise from the dead eternally. Hallelujah. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father. When he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. Now if you would, bow your heads and let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for this uh, wonderful Resurrection Sunday where we remember this weekend the price you paid for us to die on an old rugged cross for our sins. And you laid in that grave, but on the third day, on this Sunday, many years ago, 
You rose from that dead and you rose from that grave. You came out of that tomb and you gave us victory in our lives. And so we thank you for this. We praise you for this. We ask you now to anoint me to preach your word for the next few moments, oh God. To deliver your word in spirit and truth and power and in might, not in word and tongue only. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that the seed of this word fall on the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. And Lord, we bless, Father, the United States. We bless all of our leaders. Father God, from local leaders to the president and all in between, we ask you to bring a mighty revival to our nation again. A great awakening to you and your presence. And we'll thank you for this. And we ask lastly, Lord God, that you would speak to every single person here today. And that everyone would experience, if they haven't already, your wonderful presence. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We have a little pledge we'd like to make. You don't have to do it if you're new here. But for those that are that come, we just want to be doers of God's word. So if you will hold God's word up in whatever form you have it. And let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word. And not a hearer only. Deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. Christ name I pray. Amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated. Give them a good high five. Tell them it's good to see you in the house of God. On February the 27th, 1991, during a Desert Storm War that hadn't been going that long, a woman by the name of Ruth Dillow received the worst phone call of her life. Her son, Clayton Carpenter, had uh, private first class, had stepped on a landmine and, and was killed. And she was just inconsolable for three days. She, she just, no one could comfort her. Well, on the third day, she received the phone ring, and she answered the phone, and she heard on the other line, uh, Mom, it's me, I'm okay. She, she thought it was a cruel joke at first, and, but then after talking on the phone, in fact, it was her son. And she later remarked, she said, it's unbelievable. She said, I, I laughed, I cried, I rejoiced. You can imagine the gamut of emotions she would have had. She said what turned out to be one of her worst nightmares turned out to be one of the greatest days of her life. That's what news from the graveyard can do when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Somebody shout a good amen for that. Now in Paul's day, as well as in our day and time, there, there were many who denied the subject of the resurrection in general. Uh, many that claimed that the resurrection didn't happen, that we wouldn't rise from the dead. And Paul is writing to the Corinthian church here in chapter 15, and he's explaining to them, hey, uh, you, you need to understand this. There is a resurrection. There was a lot of theories going around back then. Uh, the fraud theory, the, the disciples just invented the whole thing and tricked everybody. There was the swoon theory. The swoon theory was that he only fainted on the cross, and, and then when he was laid in the tomb, in the coolness of the tomb, he, re, he came back to life, and they only thought that he was dead and somehow escaped that. There is the vision theory that the disciples only imagined that they saw him. There was the spirit theory that said, well, only his spirit arose. And uh, I think our, our computer is boot rebooting back up. But basically in Luke 24, 39, 
it, he clearly shows that after resurrection, he has a body. So we knew it, know it's not just a spirit resurrection, but it's a spirit and body resurrection. Uh, there were some that said, well, it was a, a heart theory, that he was only resurrected in the hearts of the people. There was the soul theory. Well, the, his soul was resurrected, but not, not his body. There was no, he didn't really die. But how can you have a resurrection if something doesn't fall to the ground and die? Now, there is all kinds of biblical proof of the resurrection. And let me guess, our computer's still not working. Are we up? Oh, good. Luke, uh, or Acts 2, verse 23 and 24. Yay, everybody give a clap for the media team. They're working on the fly here today. This man, uh, you know, I could go, I could preach for hours just on scriptures in the New Testament. There's actually over 300 New Testament scriptures about the resurrection alone. But here's just a few. Acts 2, 23 and 24. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold of him. The, the, the preaching of the cross and the resurrection of Christ was central to the, to the early day church and the disciples and, and their message. It was the central theme of what they preached. Christ died for you, but he was resurrected from the dead. Both Jewish and Roman authorities had ample time, they had ample ability to deny and to present something contrary, and yet history says they never did. They lied and said the Romans let the disciples steal them, but it was never, never proved, and they never even really kept on after that. They just kind of hoped it went away. <laughs> but how many of you know that almost 2,000 years ago, today and later, it's still not gone away? It's still central to our belief and our faith. And what God has done for us. Acts 3, 14 and 15 uh, says it this way. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. That was Barabbas. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. Lee Strobel wrote a great book called Case for the, the Case for Christ. He was a, a lawyer in Chicago and he was an avowed atheist. And from a lawyer's perspective, he wrote a book on how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I wanted to examine the facts like a lawyer or a jury would in a courtroom setting. He said, I could reason away pretty much everything. He said, but what I could not get away from, what I could not escape, what I could not reason away was how many people were willing to die for the testimony that God raised Jesus from the dead. And he said, and as a lawyer, it is my experience that no one dies for a lie. Seldom will people die for truth, but nobody will lay their life on the line and willfully die for the cause of a lie. And over 500 people, the Bible says, saw Jesus after the resurrection, and most of them were martyred. And it caused Lee Strobel to come to Jesus Christ. Acts 10, 39 through 41 says this, We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. It's historically proven that he raised from the dead. Uh, authors, people that are not Christians have, have said, yes, his body was not there. They try to explain it different ways. But the point of the matter is, he absolutely was raised from the dead. Now, here's the question that we're going to answer today. What's the big deal about him raising from the dead? 
What does it even matter? Okay, so he raised from the dead. So God raised him up. What does that mean to you and I? Well, point number one is this. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then our faith is meaningless. Poke your neighbor and say it's meaningless. To deny the resurrection would be to say that Christ is not risen. And, and we know God raised up people in the Old Testament from the dead. There's, the, 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 the stories tell us that he did, so we know he's capable. So if he can't raise up dead bodies, that means the resurrection of Christ took place. So why is this important? What is the big deal about Easter? Here's the big deal. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is useless. Our preaching, our witnessing that he did is meaningless. The word vain or empty here in some translations means empty, groundless, void of all truth and meaning. There would be no message, no witness to preach. There would be no good news to share. That means that for those of us that are sharing it, we would all be liars because he didn't. But praise God that he did. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then everything we're doing is faithless and meaningless. We might as well be doing something else. Our, our faith is hopeless. We're believing a lie. We're preaching a lie. We're testifying. And it's completely useless. If he didn't rise from the dead, then, 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 then death has conquered him and death will conquer us. But the fact that he did rise from the dead means that he conquered death and hell and has the keys, and in so doing will help us to do the same. Hallelujah. The fact that God raised him from the dead is proof that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. Romans chapter 1, 4 says it this way. He was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. He was shown. God said, I'm going to prove to you that He is the Son of God when I raise Him from the grave. Hallelujah. Nobody else was ever raised eternally before Jesus Christ. He was the first fruits. And I want to tell you, that means everything for us. Why? If Christ didn't rise, then He's still lying in some Middle Eastern grave somewhere out there in the Middle East. Now, now, we celebrate the pyramids in Egypt are famous. Why? They're famous because uh, mummified former ancient kings were laid to rest there. Westminster Abbey in London is renowned because the, the bodies lie in rest of, of English nobles and notables. Muhammad's tomb is noted for the stone coffin in which his bones lie. The Taj Mahal in India was actually a monument, a memorial, in honor to his wife that had passed of, an, of, of, of one of India's, India's shawls. Arlington Cemetery in Washington is renowned and, and, and for uh, uh, outstanding Americans having the honor of being buried there. And so many of the things that we know around the world, they're renowned because of who's in there. But I want to tell you, there is a garden tomb in Jerusalem that is famous and renowned not for who's in there, but because it's empty. Woo. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then, then he remains in the grave forever. Which means that he was fully man, but he wasn't fully God, and therefore couldn't save us from our sins. He had to be fully man and fully God, the Bible says. And when he resurrected from the dead, that sealed our salvation. That sealed the forgiveness of our sins. That made it so that we could be saved, and we could go to eternity with God the Father. What's the big deal about Easter? Well, if he didn't rise, then our faith is in vain. Again, it's empty. Look, if Christ is in the grave then our faith is in a dead man, and no dead man can save a living man. 
But praise God, he's a living man. And he's living God. And he is alive and forevermore at the right hand of the Father. And because he defeated death, hell, and the grave, he can save us. Hallelujah. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then we're doomed. We don't have any hope to be truly free from the endless search of, for something more. Are you searching for something more today? Is you, are you tired of life just existing? There's a difference between having life and existing. Are you, are you tired of the endless search? Let me try this new job. Maybe a new home. A different car. Maybe this, that, or the other. Oh, give me what I'm looking for. And it feels to you like it's just empty and hollow one thing after the other. I want to tell you, faith in Jesus Christ and His resurrection will fill that searching void of your heart. You will know beyond a shadow of a doubt what you've been looking for was a relationship with Him. If He didn't rise from the dead, then we have no hope of life with eternity with Christ after death. Death would be final. Death would be the end. When we died, it would be over. And I want to tell you, Holly, my wife... Cute, really good-looking woman up here leading worship. Yeah, amen. She still got it. Amen. Her grandmother died just the other day. And uh, 88 years old, but she's with Jesus in heaven. And God, we can rejoice, not that we lost her. We can rejoice that she's gone on to be with the Lord. There's hope at the end of this life. There's hope at the end of this life. Eternity with Jesus. Look, if he didn't rise from the dead, we'd be simply following a mere man who's still dead and rotting in a grave. But if God didn't raise him from the dead, then because he did, he is bound to raise us up from the dead. That means when we die, death is not final. There is an eternity that we can be with him if only we walk with Jesus and accept him. Romans 4.25 says it this way. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our just, justification. That's a, that's a real, what does that mean, justification? It simply means it makes us right with God. He was raised to life to make us right with God. That's the big deal about Easter. Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. The gospel's simple. Just believe in your heart. Confess Him. Amen? 1 Peter 1.3 says this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy. Let me stop right there. I don't know what you believe about God, but He's not the big mean guy in the sky with a belt in His hand waiting for you to mess up so He can wail on you good. He is the merciful God that said, I love you so much, I will send my only begotten son to die a gruesome death on a cross for your sins. He's a wonderful God. And he has given us new birth. Wow, into a living hope. We just sang about that, amen. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, because of his resurrection, I can have hope that I will rise to eternity. He arose so I can arise. He arose so you can rise. Woo! Death is not final. <laughs> Paul is saying here that what happened to Christ will happen to us now. Because he arose, then our resurrection is possible. Wow, a young man told his boss, he said, Hey, my grandma died. Uh, you know, I'd like to have 
the day off, I need to go to her funeral. Oh, of course, sure. The next day, his boss saw him. He said, hey, man. He said, do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? He said, well, yes, I do. He said, you must. Because the other day, yesterday, when you left to go to your grandmother's funeral, she showed up to visit you. <laughs> what's, the, what's the big deal about Easter, right? Well, point number two is this. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we're still in our sins. In verse 17, it says that our, our faith is vain. Vain means, it's a different Greek word, matea, which means fruitless or futile. That we are still in our sins. If he didn't rise from the dead, there's no forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Wow. 1 John 2, 1 through 2 says it this way. My dear children, I write this to you so that... Did we lose it again? We lost it again. I don't know what's going on this morning. So that we have an advocate with the Father. We'll need to fire it up again. It's Easter. This is what happens. The devil don't like what's happening here. Look, if Christ lied about his resurrection, then he also lied about his claim to forgive us of our sins. If he lied about one thing, he lied about it all. But praise God, he didn't. First John 2, 1, 2, 2. You still you have it up again? Pull that up for me. We'll finish it out. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an ad. This is the way it works around here. We're just real, amen? There's no footloose, there's no, you know, fancy and all formal. We're just who we are, amen, and stuff happens, amen. But if anyone does sin, right, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That means for every one of us, he's the atoning sacrifice for us. If the cross is an illusion, then the resurrection's an illusion, the ascension's illusion, and everything in this life is meaningless and has no purpose. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then our sins have not been taken away, and our faith is meaningless and empty. That means we would never be free from shame. You know that feeling that you, that you feel that something's wrong with me? That, that deep down feeling that says, I'm not good enough. The Bible says that Jesus nailed not only our sins, but our shame to the cross. That means we, because he rose from the dead, we don't have to walk around in shame anymore. We don't have to sit here in a beautiful service like this and say, something's wrong with me. I'm not good enough. Let me tell you, there is nothing wrong with you. And you are good enough because Christ said you are. You're so good enough that he went to the cross and died for you. That's how much he values you. That means, that means if, if he didn't rise from the dead, that we'd be never free from fear. That means the power of the cross would never be there to deliver us from bondage. These strongholds like lust and pornography and different things would have a clutch on us and would grip us and we would never be able to be free from that. But praise God, He did rise from the grave. Praise God, there is an escape with Him. Praise God, there is hope for you and I. We don't have to be in bondage. We can be free. We don't have to be dead anymore. We can be alive. We have life and have it more abundantly through Jesus Christ.
Man, I don't know about you. I haven't always been in church. I haven't always been a preacher. I lived a very rough life, especially as a teenager. From, from uh, losing $7,000 gambling in one week to getting drunk all the time to getting high all the time to just doing some crazy stuff that I'm ashamed to even tell anymore about my life. But praise God, one day I ran into Jesus. <laughs> And Jesus didn't say, Dallas, you need to clean your act up before you come my way. You know what Jesus did? He said, come on in. Just like you are. Don't worry about it. I'll work on that stuff from the inside out. And I stand here before you delivered and free. And, the, and God played a joke on the devil and said, I'll show you. I'll call him to be a preacher. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I want to tell you, if you're new here, there's nobody perfect in here. We've all blown it. We've all got past. But I'll tell you what we have. We have Jesus in our hearts. And Jesus has forgiven us. And he's washed our sins away. And he's given us new life. Can I get a witness from anybody? And he's changed us from the inside out. Woo! Excuse me just a minute while I have a little dance party. I want to tell you, if you knew where God pulled me from, if you knew what he saved me from, you'd shout too. I don't know, pardon me while I have a fit just a minute. Oh, I come to tell somebody, I once was dead in sin, but now I'm alive again. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was bound, but now I'm free. Oh, I come to tell somebody, there is new life. There is freedom in Jesus. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Oh, I wish somebody would shout glory! We excited about Jesus around here, amen? Pastor, you're going to have to calm down. Yeah. No, I can't calm down. There's something on the inside of me that knows I was headed to a devil's hell. I was bound, but now because of Jesus, I am free. I was depressed and miserable, and now I'm just happy and got joy. Joy is possible for you. Look, if God can do it with me, he can do it with anybody. Praise God, I mean that. What's the big deal about Easter? Listen, if Christians are not resurrected, if Christ was not resurrected, then, then he was no different than any of, of the rest of us. He was hopelessly to die, and so were we. He would be powerless to penetrate the spiritual world, world of darkness on our behalf if he didn't rise from the grave. He as, he as well as us would know no life beyond the grave if he was laying there dead. In 1901, they opened Abraham Lincoln's Grave his coffin because they were afraid his body wasn't there. <laughs> they opened the, the tomb and the garden in Jerusalem to prove that his body's not there. Jesus speaking. Amen. What's the big deal about Easter? Look, if, if he didn't rise from the grave, we read it in the scriptures. It said those that have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In other words, every believing Christian, if he didn't rise from the grave, they're in hell. They're rotting in a grave somewhere at best and in hell at worst. But praise God that he, they are not decaying flesh and bones. 
Jesus is not decayed in a tomb somewhere. He resurrected and so those in Christ have resurrected. The Bible says that believers are asleep in Christ. That's not speaking of soul sleep. It means they're at rest in Christ. It means all the troubles of this life are over. When you die and you go to be with Jesus, it's all over. Why? Because Jesus rose from the grave. One day Michelangelo, the great artist who painted the Sistine Chapel, he turned on the other artists and he was, in, he was indignant. He was, he was angry at them. And here's what he said. I'll, I'll read it to you. He said, why do you keep filling gallery after gallery with endless pictures of one theme of Christ in weakness, Christ on the cross, and most of all, Christ hanging dead? He said, why do you concentrate on the passing episode as if it were his last work, as if the curtain dropped on him with disaster and defeat? The dreadful scene lasted a few hours. But to the unending eternity, Christ is alive. The stone has been rolled away and he rules and reigns and triumphs. Wow. What's the big deal about Easter? Point number three. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we don't have any hope. Man, what's the big deal about Easter? If there's no resurrection, then the Bible says we're to be pitied. Verse 19 says, we're to be pitied above all people. We're the most miserable. Why? Because we have a false hope. We have believed in a lie. And we will be the most disappointed when this life is over if he didn't rise from the dead. So the Bible says. But because Christians are expecting the power of God to help us through the trials of this life is why it says we will be most miserable if Christ really isn't there to help us. What does that mean? If there's no resurrection, then God's power is a farce and a lie. We would have no hope for the peace in the midst of hardships and pain. We would have no one we could turn to. We would have no hope that anything could ever get better. We would have no hope... When the doctor says it's cancer and you have months, maybe weeks to live. There would be no one to turn to to believe for healing. To believe for a miracle. To believe that you can come through cancer. That you can be restored and healed. Judy McKinney, stand up to your feet if you will. I know you don't like attention, but I want you to stand. Everybody look right back there because about 12 years ago, is that right? 13 years ago, they basically said, you got cancer and you're going to die. Thirteen years later, she stands there cancer-free and survived because of Jesus Christ. Woo! <laughs> I want to tell you, God has the final say. And there's hope no matter what kind of reports we get. If he didn't rise from the grave, then there is no, there's no hope for us of a higher supernatural power coming to rescue us when we cry out when tragedy strikes. Looking, even agnostics cry out to God when tragedy comes. Even atheists will cry out to God when they're in trouble. <laughs> Imagine not having a God in heaven that you could cry out to when you're hurting. Imagine not having a God you could, you could reach out to and say, God, I just need you to help me. Have you ever been there? You ever, you ever been on your face before God and just said, God, I need help, man. I'm a mess. I need a miracle. Imagine not having the hope to be able to cry out to a God that could do that for you. Life would be hopeless if he didn't rise from the dead. Hope wouldn't be present to help us through life. If there's no resurrection, then all reason and purpose of your life is destroyed and gone. 
What's the big deal about Easter? If he didn't rise from the dead, there's no hope for life or eternity. His rising from the dead gives us hope to get through the trials in this life. It gives us hope when we die in this earth that there is an afterlife with God forever without any problems or issues. Glory to God. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says it this way. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. A bright young girl, 15-year-old girl, was, was struck bedridden. She got paralyzed on one side. She was nearly blind. The doctor told the parents, I'm afraid she has seen her better days. I'm so sorry. She overheard and she loudly exclaimed to the doctor and to everyone. She said, no sir, I've not seen my better days. My best days are yet to come when I shall see the king in all his beauty. Hallelujah. I want to tell you there is hope. We're not sunk into annihilation somewhere. This is not the end, this earth. Christ rose from the dead to give us a pledge for our rising. The resurrection is the great antidote of for death. Hallelujah. Nothing else can take its place. And finally, the last point and the most important one of the message. Here we go. You ready? Point number four is this. Jesus Christ did rise from the grave. Yes. What is the best way for God to prove that he can raise somebody from the dead? Is to actually raise somebody from the dead, right? The Bible says in verse 20 that he was the first fruits of those resurrected. First fruits refers to the harvest of a farmer's crop. And a Jewish farmer would plant something and the first crop that came up, he would offer that to the Lord. He was as a way of saying, God, this is my first and I'm trusting you with the rest. Jesus Christ was the first to be raised from the dead to everlasting life. Eternally, so to speak. What that means is he had raised others from the dead, but they would die again. Jesus was the first of the first fruits of the harvest. In other words, first is the first in order of time. And that's why in verse 20 it says, but now. These words connect the, this verse to the former verses where people were arguing that Jesus wasn't raised from the dead and there was no resurrection. And so Paul boldly writes, ultimately the Holy Spirit through Paul, and he says, but now. But now Christ is risen. And there is hope for you and I. There is help for you and I. There is life for you and I. Glory to God. He is not dead. He is not lying as a decayed corpse. We are not living in a hopeless misery. We are not helpless and we are not hopeless. We don't have to feel lost or empty inside. Not another second. We don't have to search for meaning. Not another second. We don't have to live in shame or in fear. Another minute. We don't have to live in bondage. We don't have to feel trapped by sin. And, and that sin that we do over and over and over. The kind thing where you say oh I'll never do it again and you go back or the kinds I wish I could just be free through Jesus there is freedom we can be free from it all we can have peace in our lives even when sorrow and tragedy strikes the fact is the opposite is true we have the greatest hope in the world 
We have the hope of resurrection from our sins and death. Well, the greatest guarantee of resurrection for us was the resurrection of Jesus. He's the first fruit. He's the guarantee. He's the pledge that because He did, we will. Wow. Revelation 1.5 says this. Through Him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith in His namesake. Verse 23, it says, but every man after his own order. The Greek word for order is tagma, which is a military term referring to troops in order of rank as in a parade. In other words, Christ's resurrection leads the parade because it was the very first of his kind. Well, he raised Lazarus from the dead, yes. But he raised a mortal body that was dead and to a mortal life. But Jesus was the first to die to immortality and be raised to immortality, to never die again eternally. That's what we're saying about first fruits here. And ultimately, that we will follow in Christ's footsteps in his pattern. That's why later in the chapter, Paul writes, he says, uh, We will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump of God shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death where is thy sting? O grave where is thy victory? The strength of sin is uh, the strength of sin is is death and, and so forth. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'll close with this story. Little Philip was born Down syndrome. He was in the third grade Sunday school class at church. And I'm in there with, among a, a lot of other eight-year-old boys and girls. And uh, typical of kids that age, they didn't fully accept him with all his differences. Until the teacher came up with a real creative way of doing things that caused them to accept him as a full member of the group. The Sunday after Easter, she showed up with legs, pantyhose, the, the, the eggs. You, you remember when the pantyhose used to come? The eggs? I actually tried to find one as an illustration. They don't sell them in the eggs anymore. I remember my mom used to have little white eggs. How many of you ladies know what I'm talking about? Okay. You, they used to sell the pantyhose and that. And so I, I actually tried, I thought, well, I'm going to get one. You know, it'd be cool. But, you know, but I couldn't find one. So anyway. Um, but she, she brought that in and she said, here, I've got a project for you. She said, it's spring. It's the Sunday after Easter. She said, I'm going to dismiss you out in the church lawn area. And I want you to find symbols of life. Put it in the egg. Bring it back. Well, she dismissed and them little eight-year-olds are running all through everywhere. And they came back put their little things in the egg. They set it on the table, waiting to be surprised as the teacher opened one by one. And they surrounded her, and she'd open one, and there's a caterpillar. And then there's, a, you know, a worm and a butterfly and a leaf and, you know, a flower. And this, the list is going on and on. And finally she opened one that was empty, and all the other kids said, Hey, somebody, it's not fair. Somebody didn't do the assignment. Little Philip said, No, that's mine. The kid with Down syndrome. They said, Philip, come on, you never do any assignments right. That's not fair. You should have done the assignment. He said, I did do it. He said, it's empty. The tomb is empty. 
Little Philip understood something many people don't. A young boy with Down syndrome understood that life begins from an empty tomb. Sadly, it was a short time later that little Philip got sick and what would normally a, a regular, typical, healthy kid would just sort of shrug off after a day or two. It actually killed him and he passed away. And at his funeral, these little eight-year-old kids, every one of them in the class, came up to the front to where that casket was and that altar and they didn't bring flowers. They walked with their teacher with their little empty eggs and they laid it down as if a way to say, he's not in that grave. He's raised because Jesus is raised. All the things we can learn. I'd like for you to bow your heads, if you will, and, and just close your eyes and don't, don't look around at this point in time. just want to ask you a question. I'm not going to get weird. I'm not going to ask you to move or do anything. Do you need your sins forgiven this morning? Do you feel hopeless today? Does life feel empty? Are you burdened with shame? Because you don't have to be anymore. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because He rose from the dead, we are no longer in our sins. If we believe in Christ and give our lives to Him, we can be free. Because he rose from the dead, we have hope in this life and for eternity. The question is, will you accept Jesus and what he did for you so that you can have that hope I just preached about? So that your faith is not meaningless. So this life actually has purpose. Are you searching this morning? Are you tired of searching everywhere else that's leaving you empty and dry and, you, and, and, and hopeless? What's it going to hurt if you try Jesus? the Savior of the world and He'll change your life and fill you with purpose and meaning and life. If you're here today, nobody's looking around. Not right now. Man, I want to accept Jesus. I want purpose in my life. I want hope. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Is there anybody? God bless you. I see that little hand. I see that hand. God bless you. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. Is there anybody else? And I want to receive Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see God moving among this church. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer after me. Simple prayer. Nothing, nothing difficult. Nothing strenuous. The Bible says very clearly, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Simple confession, simple belief in the heart, and new life begins. John chapter 3 says we get born again, born again as a Christian, a new person. 2 Corinthians 5 says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. That means the old habits die. The old thing, the old you dies. And a new person is born in Christ. A different you. A better you. A new you. A new you that's going to be with Jesus forever. So we're just going to pray this simple prayer. You raise your hand. Even if you didn't, maybe you didn't feel comfortable, but you do want to receive Christ. And I want you just to pray this with me. Are you ready? Everybody that will. I want you to pray. Heavenly Father. I ask you to forgive me 
of all my wrongs, all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart as my Lord and Savior, Jesus. Wash my sin away. I confess you as my Savior. I admit the wrongs that I've made. And I receive your grace. I receive your sacrifice. And I thank you that you rose from the dead. And now because of that, there is hope for me. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands, everybody.